Welcome back to the Revelation On Demand podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers. I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, today? I'm doing great. This past That's week? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm for you. It's an incredibly rough week for me, but you know, the Lord carried me through with it. And I woke up this morning and I was just so excited to do this, so excited yeah. to talk about and uh, the, the word and you know, yeah, everything. We're, we we're getting into it. a really beefy chapter today, so challenge accepted. Yeah, right. So, what's going on in our world? Uh, my dad, update on him, he's doing much better. He's home, uh, he's lost a little bit of his progression, but. That was expected when he went home. So he's getting outpatient rehabilitation still. So it's all all going good. I'm going to go grab some lunch with him today, just me and him. Haven't done that in a while. So, and of course, he we we work together. So he used to see me every day. So he's, he's missing me. And then my next point is completely pointless since I threw it out in the sunroom with the other dog. But I saved a kitten who's already got a home, so uh, we're just waiting on the new owners to uh, get everything ready so that they can come get this annoying, lovely little kitten. Which is <laughs> annoying! Yes, she, she is annoying. I mean, you heard the... Well, you, the listeners didn't hear the pre-show, but she was climbing all over me. She demanded to be fed, and I did that, and she still wouldn't calm down, so she's in timeout. Uh, Anyways, you had some stuff going on. What's what's going on with you? Oh, well, I mean, uh, okay, so there's a few things. Why don't we start with what's going on nationally? Most importantly, what I was able to find this week and more recently, and I mean incredibly recently, is something to look out for folks, is we got something called a blockchain going on with incoming resources, uh, both internationally and nationally. And what that means is basically we got stuff that we need to survive, to function, or, you know, just to enjoy mm-hmm. life that isn't coming into the United States, that isn't being distributed throughout the United States. Because let's be frank, most of those people who worked at the docks and on the trucks for a long time, I mean, um, Justin, you could probably vouch for this. It's been a little more difficult in recent days to find um, better contracting uh, companies that'll have a, a expenditure of drivers for you. But yeah. essentially we are at a standstill with a lot of resources we very much so need. So something for to look out for folks is uh, not to scare anyone, but it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a harsh reality is we're going to have rising prices in everything. And yeah, the one that hits closest to home literally is going to be utility bills. Utility bills are probably going to raise up to uh, 50% greater for just about everyone. And yeah. if you've already lived somewhere, let's say you live somewhere where you get most of those resources locally, amen to that. All power to you. Hopefully you don't have to pull too much from the rest of the nation or from mm. overseas. And you might not be affected by this as much. But for those of you who are not, is close to distribution centers or to incoming receiving ends for a lot of these places, you already know what prices look like, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, they could be exponentially higher. They could be lower, whatever the case may be. It's going to be up to, yeah, it's going to be greater for everyone. So yeah, just something to look out for. Yeah. Yeah. We get most of our commodities locally here at the feedlot, but we've had issues getting the amount of corn we order every week because they just, I mean, it's harvest time, so there's a lot of drivers who are helping with that. But also, they just they're having issues keeping drivers, keeping truckers on the road. Yes. So, and to be frank, people don't want to work as much as they used to. I'm not applying that to us. I'm not applying that to the audience. I'm not saying that as yeah. a generalization for everyone. But let's apply a generalization to the people that are in those industries don't want to work as much as they used to with, uh, with the recent pandemic, with lack well, of training during that time. No, no it's, it's really got a lot to do with the unemployment. Companies can't afford to pay the same amount people can make on unemployment. And it's just smart. I mean, go where the money takes you, right? 
that's an incredibly good point. Yes. So ultimately, if unemployment is going to guarantee you a few years or however long you need, um, we're going to go through. Uh, maybe this is just a temporary setback for now. I'm not saying this is a permanent thing, people. Like, no. but um, you know, at least try to consider the fact that for a little while it's going to be that way because unemployment only guarantees you money for ever so long before you got to go mm-hmm. back to work, right? And yeah. uh, that's an incredibly good point. So for the meantime, a lot of people are going to be profiting off of their unemployment before they have to go back to work, work forever yeah. so long, and then maybe go back on unemployment. It's a mess. Um, speaking yeah. of blockchains, I don't know who, um, how, what everyone feels about this and who is involved with the crypto world. I don't advertise for crypto. I'm never going to tell you to do it. But I wanted to apply some terminology from cryptocurrencies, if you don't know what those are. Those are like Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc., that are basically used as pseudo US dollars, both legally and illegally in a lot of places. But for the most part, it's recognized now as a currency. It started out as an illegal yeah. currency. Now it's a recognized currency or throughout, throughout yeah. the past over half a decade. Anyway, so with the rising rates of that... We're having a lot of volatility in the stock market. We're having a lot of volatility, basically meaning the numbers are going all crazy every day. And uh-huh. trading cryptocurrencies, if you own any, or just trading stocks for those. And what that's going to do, folks, is it's going to affect um, a lot of investments that you maybe put into IRAs, 401ks, etc. So uh-huh. uh, something to consider is talking with a financial advisor who is familiar with the stock market, cryptocurrency, and what that means for long-term investing. In my opinion, based off everything that I've talked, I've talked with um, some legal experts, I've talked with a wide skew of people, and we're all concerned about long-term investing right now, right? I know this mm-hmm. might not sound all too applicable to what we're talking about right now, and I'm not telling anyone to just pull out your wallet of whatever you got, crypto, cash, whatever it is. I'm just going to warn you guys that long-term investing is really at stake right now, and that's what I consider to be a current event. That's why we have this section, what's going on in the world. Anyway, um, increasing volatility in the money that we have, let alone our resources, are becoming scarce for however long it is temporary or however we have to adapt to it will prevail. We will provide God provides Uh, Mm -hmm. just thought, you know, this might be some important news for, you know, to go over. Yeah. And, and not to mention, since we study the end times, mostly you got to remember that as bad as this is, it's supposed to get worse. So, right. (laughs) If you're, if you're one of those guys, like we're getting closer and closer to the end times, which we honestly, it doesn't matter when you think the end times are going to happen. We are, technically getting closer and closer anyways uh, no matter what you know, as, yeah no as t- as every day goes by you know uh but it it doesn't matter which which what you think uh this this is supposed to get worse this is supposed to deteriorate and i don't know i've seen some some silver linings you know some pushback in the culture that maybe maybe this isn't the end times so you know, I'm just when we read the descriptions of Babylon and the things that are going on. I mean, yeah, you could see some of that today, but it's not it's not gone full debauchery. You know, like there there's still some good out there working. So I, I don't think we're there yet. You got anything else to talk about? Well, I was just going to add to your point. You usually are the number one person that I hear that says end times are probably not right now. And I'm always caught in a rock and a hard place with that because I'm like, you know, I guess the radical side of me is like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, it could be any minute. The Lord can come like it's even the night. We don't know. But at the same time, I'm also like, yeah, I mean, we got some predispositions right now that are pretty severe. But (laughs) if you go back to our relations section, folks, Mm -hmm. is like the severity of what the end times look like building up to it yeah. during and not so much after because after, you know, we're, we're all good, but um, yeah. it's a little bit scary. So scarier yeah, than you'd from, expect. Yeah. From what I hear, you know, it's like, I mean, believers are already a minority believers who believe in Christ and follow Christ are a minority right now. But like from what it sounds like in revelation, there is almost none left when the time when the judgment starts to roll around, like I, I, this is just my theory. I think that 
there has to be no way, no no meaning or no possible way for the gospel to spread any further, get to any more ears before the end times finish. So it'll be like, yeah, I mean, it'll be like we're living in a dangerous empire and we're trying to get and almost no one can can believe in God and right. And it's outlawed and the scriptures are lost and stuff like that. Like, I feel like it's going to have to be that dire before God's like, okay, no more. Cause as long as there's a chance for God to save someone, he's going to take it. So, right. We're going to be very centralized and to decentralize, even though we'll be very central in our hearts, souls with the Lord. Um, it's going to be a heck of a process to be able to pull that off. Right. So vocally, verbally, publicly. So everything will be so centralized because we've talked about uh, the, the, basically the, the world government that's going to consist of those seven major nations, i.e. Mm-hmm. we have seven, seven continents right now. So it could be yeah. a point in time where we literally have established on all seven continents. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It could be in a, a wide slew of things. My mind's going in a million different directions with that because we really don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, but we'd like to speculate on it. All right. Why don't we go ahead and get back into the book of Daniel today? We're on chapter seven, right? Yeah, let's let's do a little review of what happened last episode. So, last episode was chapter six, and we talked about Daniel in the lion's den. Quite a popular uh, story that most most Christians probably know. So, this was when after Darius the Mede had taken over, and that oh, I just fought back a sneeze there. Um, Daniel the Mede <laughs> took over. And uh, from the previous empire of Babylon that Nebuchadnezzar was in charge of. And his advisors got him to sign this law saying, uh, you got to worship only me for the next 30 days. And of course, as we know, Daniel's so devout, he didn't do that. He continued to pray to his God. So according to the law, he had to be thrown into the lion's den. And the king, you know, tried to fight that as long as he could, which was till sundown. And of course, Daniel got thrown in. He, the king can sleep. Daniel, we don't hear Daniel's side of the story at this point. And then the next morning, the king opens the den and out comes Daniel. And he throws those advisors who got him to sign that law into the den and they get eaten like immediately. So it wasn't and their families. Yeah. And their families. Right. We talked about how unfair that seems today, but, it was typical practice back then. So right. we see that Daniel was truly in danger. It's just the Lord kept lions from eating him. So, Right. We, we kind of had a bridge last episode. We had a few bridges to cross. And that was, we went from the Nebuchadnezzar arc of the book of Daniel, if you will. Not like Noah's arc, like a section of, you know, of a story. And um, essentially... Nebuchadnezzar was replaced by ever so many kings, blah, 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 or people, really, like the people who were assassinated, so-and-so. And And basically, Darius, this most recent guy, the one that now recognizes God, he, Mm -hmm. and that respected Daniel actually profusely, um, was he had basically took over by uh, killing this last not-so- very debaucherous, if that's a way of saying it, leader-ish. He doesn't even deserve the term leader. That denied yeah. Daniel, <laughs> that denied witnessing, you know, a, a daemon, an entity, a spirit, mm-hmm. writing on the wall a fair warning to this guy that he was to die and a prophecy to that Darius was going to replace him. And he was still like, oh, well, I'm going to party right now. And then so, yeah, it was a big debacle. But basically, Darius really respected Daniel. That's why he, like uh, Justin was just explaining, uh, we went over last episode, uh, went out of his way to try to save Daniel. He actually did not want to acknowledge the fact that Daniel was still practicing in worshiping the one true God, our God at the yeah. time and he was basically letting it slip under the radar but you know people who are jealous of uh, daniel's position in the government were basically trying to get him thrown in there blah 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 yeah. you know yeah. happy ending a little bit gruesome of an ending but happy ending yeah. for at least darius and daniel, daniel. 
Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, if I was Daniel, I'd probably still be very remorseful. Like, okay. Well, whoo. <laughs> well, I don't anyway. know. I think Daniel was quite confident going into the whole thing. Like, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. I'm not supposed to worship anyone but my own God. So, you know. Well, I, I mean, like, I'm not saying he should have denied his right to do that or any of that gone out of yeah. his way to say, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I'm talking about like, okay, I the morality aspect for me is still pretty difficult on the fact that they had to throw the rest of the people in the lion's den. That's, <laughs> that's just me. I'm trying to get past it. Uh, I, I got you. No, I think I feel like, uh, Dan- okay, I'm not going to paint Daniel as this big, brave man who just waltzed into the lion's den. I, I'm sure it scared the credit out of him. Like, but he was very confident that he was doing the right thing. So he at least had that comfort knowing that if he's going to die, he's going to die unfairly and it's going to be on Darius's hands, you know? So he at least had that confidence. I'm not saying that he like briskly walked into the lion's den as a brave man. No, I'm sure it was not easy. It was probably one of those gently gingerly tiptoeing into the lion's den sort of thing, or they had to throw him in. I'm sure. It depends on how the lion's den was was uh, built. So, right, and he didn't want Darius to be held responsible for his death either. Let's just clarify that. I mean, based yeah. off of his character, we we can't say hard evidence. It says here that yeah. Daniel, no, and, yeah, but and, we can just assume the way from Daniel's his character treated him. Yeah, yeah, and the way that they were, you know, they weren't homie homies. Like Darius is a yeah. warlord that was a murderer yeah. and a and a totalitarian leader in a certain way, um, actually right. in a lot of ways, but uh, who wasn't back then, especially in Babylon. So <laughs> not to say yeah. that Danny falls into that category at all. He, you know, he's, he just fell into this position and the guy, and, you know, the Lord, father, God, he's just, you know, guiding him through it. He's like, Hey, no, I got mm-hmm. your back. Yeah. And, um, all right. So, so, as we get into chapter seven, it goes from a storytelling kind of narrative, historical narrative, to a apocalypse. <coughs> God, it got me. Oh. Sorry about that. Let's see. He's going to finally again. came. No, I. I hope I don't. I'm not growing allergy or allergy to kittens. That'd be bad. Um, I think because I have three cats. Uh, anyways, we're we're moving into a new type of literature here, which is well not new to us. We studied apocalyptic literature before, so the second half of Daniel seven through twelve is more in the line of apocalyptic literature. So this this is looking forward to future events, some of which happened in the Bible, and some of which have yet to happen. So the vision that we're going to talk about today in chapter seven happened during that one terrible king before Darius, the one he killed, the one from the writing on the wall, that would be Belshazzar. Or, yeah, Belshazzar, not Belshazzar. There's another. There's a T added if you're talking about Daniel's Babylonian name. Right. Anyways, so in this, in this prediction, there's a little bit of, there's a lot of uh, controversy on whether it's talking about the Greek empire or the Roman empire and exactly how that fits together. So most scholars agree that it does at least talk about Antiochus, which is a king yet to come that Daniel predicts. And he's a very terrible king to the Jews. He's very, very cruel and he he persecutes a lot of Jews. So uh, we'll talk more exactly where, where the two different interpretations of this, this prophecy have to come as we carry it on. I'll, I'll try and point out the places where there's disagreements on whether this is exactly talking about the Greek empire or the Roman empire and how, what that means for the rest of the prophecy. If, if you interpret it one way or the other. So literally, yes. Yeah. Uh, My favorite thing about Daniel so far and that, you know, it's only happened like maybe a few times so far, but um, how the Lord is integrating with these characters and, well, I, I mean, we believe in the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy yeah. Ghost. So I tend to say yeah. the Lord uh, is more of a Father God deal. But it is also equally a Holy Spirit deal and the Lord's deal. Interesting, right? Anyway, so yeah. we'll just say how how the Lord God is working through these characters, the ones that, you know, actually, well, I'd say each of them that have integrated on, on an interpersonal level with that. Um spiritually too 
is they these dreams, these visions, these actions are very symbolic. So they build mm-hmm. a construct. Let's go back to the statue. Let's go back to um, the interpretation part two from uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Let's go back to the pit of fire and also the lion's den and the writing on the wall. This is going to cover mostly the writing on the wall thing, right? Or the dream that uh, was discussed this, in that room when he was like, yo. Yeah, this this was a vision that Daniel had during the period of time that the writing on the wall happened. So it's probably before the writing on the wall because the writing on the wall was the last day of King Belshazzar's reign. So. Oh, okay. But he referenced yeah, it a so. little bit. The, the, the last one had referenced it slightly, right? I'm not yeah. wrong? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, so, it, that's because at the time in the Daniels and the lions, then he was starting to understand his visions. So there, there had been some time that passed as we see, when we get into this, Daniel doesn't quite understand this, this vision when he first get it. So uh, we've actually had, okay. Before we get into the scripture, I'll, I'll just say one last thing is we've had that discussion a few times where it's like, even the appearance of an angel where you're like, Oh no, it's, all these different things it, it's gonna be astonishing it's almost borderline yeah. horrifying and um yeah. i'm just gonna use that in comparison where often more often than not maybe you can apply this on a personal level our initial interpretation our first witnessing of something from god himself may not be recognized as clearly as you would like or the you know average joe smith would want you know where oh okay i immediately understand what the lord is trying to tell me i can exactly reference what he is and i can use that as you know to my disposal sometimes it takes a lot of thinking and interpretation even from the individual that receive is on the receiving end of that right uh themselves all right so i guess i'll just start and read chapter seven this is going to be i usually just tell you what verse we're starting from obviously this is going to be verse one up until however many verses next because we took out the numbers. <laughs> oh, All right. you, you kept reading the numbers, so I took them out. Oh, you got annoyed by that. <laughs> well. You're like, okay, we know where we're at. I'm just saying if anyone wanted to read along. But, okay. so, so I left the numbers at the very first of each section. Oh, thank you. Okay, so this <laughs> is going to be one through five. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was laying in bed. Lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. Yes. So, Right off the bat, we see that Daniel transitions from third person to first person where he's talking about his vision, you know, instead of saying, talking about himself in the third person, like we have for the past six chapters. And, uh, he's, he dives right into this vision. So in Daniel's dreams are focused on prophecy, whereas what the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar were all about, uh, you know, bringing glory to God to get. Nebuchadnezzar to understand the power and the the might of our God. So we hear of the four winds. I think we did in this one. Anyways, whenever you hear four winds, you know, the four corners of the world, that sort of stuff, it's talking about the rose compass. So they knew what north, south, east, and west was back then. It doesn't necessarily mean that they thought everything was flat in a big square. Uh, but it does mean that they understood, you know, cardinal directions. 
So we, we see the sea, which often when we see seas in visions and dreams and stuff like that, it is, is talking about chaos. It is the, the dark forces in the world. It's, it's, you know, just chaotic waters, like what God first pulled creation out of. So all these beasts symbolize very much the same empires as what we've seen with the statue. So this is where we get some discrepancy on the last two empires. Exactly. Who's Greece, who's Rome. And if maybe Persia gets counted as one of the empires or it's counted as an empire with me as the Medes with the medium Persian empire. So we'll get into that more as we go. Which we broke down a couple episodes ago. What what exactly those guys were, but I mean, we need we do need yeah. more depth so that we actually get yeah. an understanding of that. Yeah, and and with this vision, we get more you know more more prophecy on what those empires are exactly. Of course, it's very uh, symbolic. So as we see this lion, this lion with wings. Which very much, if you paid very close attention to the statue episode, you'll you'll and uh, the crazy cow king episode, you'll know what this one's talking about. Uh, this this lion obviously represents Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, so he his wings were torn off of him. That was when he was made mad, and then he was lifted up and given the mind of a human being. So you know this is where he gave glory to God. This 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 empire was thrown down and then lifted back up because it finally realized, you know, the truth behind God. So uh, <laughs> I love the way you just said that. I love the way you just said that. Yes. Okay. And, uh, and then what so, other symbology do we gotten in there with his, uh, uh, as we attributes. get into the, uh, yeah, as we get into the bear, that's where, uh, things start to break down on exactly which interpretation we're using. So as we said before, there's the chest of silver, which at that time we were saying is the, the Median Persian empire. Uh, now it's most likely just talking about the Medes, which would be Darius's empire. Uh, this being on its hind legs or up on one side is talking about being in a fighting position. And the three ribs could be King Cyrus's major campaigns, but, uh, scholars say that that would ignore a lot of his other uh, military accomplishments at the time. So this is this is where things start to break down on exactly how to interpret this in past history. So uh, we see that the bear could be just the Medes, or it could be the Median Persian Empire. So there's a little bit of discrepancy. Uh, often. Uh, prophecy isn't so cut and dry that we can take everything literally. So, of course, and we have to take a lot of things symbology symbolically, and uh, we can to be the best of our difficult. interpretation. Yeah, 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 it can be very difficult. And of course, the bear is a strong animal, and of course, it it's rising and fill and eat your fill of flesh. So, between the Babylonian Empire and the time Greece rose up, you have the Medes and the Persians who who rose up and took a large swath of land, like a much larger swath in Babylon. So like with each preceding empire that takes over, they take up more and more to which to the point where, I mean, if you remember from your history textbooks, Rome, the sun never sat on, or the sun never sat on Rome or the sun never sat on the English empire. Like you, you have those kind of descriptions where they had, you know, they had enough, land across the world that they could literally say the sun never sat on the empire. Mm-hmm. So we see yeah. each, each empire getting bigger and bigger. So maybe it's talking about how the Medes or the Mede Persians took up much of the, like they, they exponentially grew the territory that Babylon had taken up. So, right. And we can see echoes of that in modern, in modern day. But uh, anyway, we'll get into that too next episode. Um, yeah. now shall I begin with verse six? Yeah, that's fine. If you have nothing else to add. Um, well, the only other thing I was thinking about with that, um, just real quickly is, um, we have to see a lot of characteristics and what I was saying was to the best of our interpretation that we actually accept 
and can perceive certain spiritual messages. I, I think that when you're receiving a message from the all-knowing of all the universe who is so omnipotent and omniscious, they're mm-hmm. going to be able to have a level of understanding for you, obviously. But it's mm-hmm. also so that you can expand your understanding at the same time. And what I mean by that is right. we might not be able to look at something that happened historically in the Bible, including a dream intended for Daniel, and be like, we can fully understand that. Because, yeah. to be honest, it was intended for Daniel. Yeah. So he has mental connections and spiritual connections to what each of those things means. And he can go, okay, so this is a prophecy. This is an interpretation. I'm going to learn and build on this so I figure out what the heck this thing means. Well, we, you know, thousands of years later, we're going to be like, um, okay, this is what we could best base it off of. But will we truly mm-hmm. ever know? We might not even, uh, we'll probably get the most accurate description from resourcing everything in the Bible. That's what scripture's for, right? Um, yeah. But to fully understand the way that that man felt and the way that it was mm-hmm. intended for him to the T, we can only speculate. It's yeah, good to drive it on facts. That's why we're here to talk. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's course. just something I've been thinking about for a while. Yeah, and of course, you know, we may not know the exact way this prophecy was supposed to play out until we get to study this sort of stuff in heaven, you know, where all the answers are clear. This is why whenever we run into this sort of discrepancy in in studying, we get people that get staunchly set in one camp or the other, and then we get this, you know, this back and forth. But I feel like this this is one of those minor things that that we can disagree on, but still be brothers and sisters in Christ. All right. It's a great philosophy. That's a great adaptation to yourself. And, um, I, you know, a lot of the world needs to reflect on that too. Yeah. All right. We should probably get this ball rolling. Yeah. As I was saying, verse six, and we're going to read up to verse. We're going to read through verse eight. After that, I looked And there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and the three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes, like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Yeah, so the dream keeps getting weirder and weirder. So we see that first we got this leopard, which could be the persians or it could be greece so uh if it is the persians this is talking about how persia had four kings and was very very uh aggressive and how it it uh took over parts of the world and then uh then we see this this final beast coming and this is where a lot of it's, it's, it starts to get a lot harder to tell what was supposed to have happened already and what is yet to happen. Because as we know, this last beast is very much like the last beast in the end of Revelation, the, the one who tries to take over the entire world. And uh, Right. The, the blasphemous uh, one. Yes. 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 The so dragon, if, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and the, that final empire is what would be ruled by the Antichrist. So if you take the interpretation that this this uh, final beast is Greece, then uh, this this little horn is Antiochus, who was that terrible king who really persecuted the Jews and brought around this, these horrible times. But if you want to bump everything back and say that Greece is the leopard, which would fit because Greece expanded again even more violently than than uh, the Medes and the Persians did and they took over most of the Mediterranean during their empire uh, 
in, in this final beast is Rome, then this final beast in Rome could also be the Rome, like the final Rome that we talked about in the end time or in Revelation. Like this could also be talking about two parallel empires. It could be talking about the historical Rome that's about to happen. Well, not about to happen, but is going to happen from Daniel's perspective. And then also the future final Rome where we have the great beast raise up and the antichrist and the false prophet, all that come up. And so if you're thinking the final empire, the final beast is Rome, then that little horn that comes up is the antichrist. The one who speaks boastfully, the one who blasphemes God, the one who, who acts as if he's the returning of Christ. So, Right. And just a little research point that I wanted to look up real quick. Um, let's see. Okay, so I mean, we might be we might be looking into some of this actually in the future. But I was curious to see if at some point we might end up reading about this if Rome and Babylon directly interact, and whether or not that territory gets occupied by Rome and I uh, just looking at a quick scroll based off of my question on my search engine it said is Rome the new Babylon in Revelation that's a pretty cool question but I, I'm just throwing that one out there if anyone can think of a good answer to that what do you think to that but um, yeah uh, so that's something we need to look into bro is uh, yeah. what exactly ends up uh, maybe by the time we're done with Daniel or in progress mm-hmm. of it is what integration Rome directly ends up having with the territory that once was or that currently is Babylon. We just have to look at that time frame and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And and right here, this this last chunk here where it's talking about that beast is also talked about in Revelation. I think John was pulling from this this section here where he's talking about a beast with ten horns and then uh three horns are uprooted for uh, the little the the little horn the antichrist and so we we talked about at one point back in revelation where there was 10 kings to be on this this new empire and then three would be thrown right. down and the antichrist would come up so we we see all that and then i'm pretty sure rome was in charge of the area of babylon uh, like i said it was a far reaching they they were into uh, lesser asia for sure so we'll end up discovering that essentially by reading this and we'll find our social studies on that. That's cool. Yeah. I was just curious yeah. about that because like, you're like, well, Roma has all this influence. We got all these uh, predecessor I- I information according to what would be Rome's influence ultimately on Babylon, more specifically too, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the world in our apocalyptic speculation or revelation speculation. So yeah. anyway, good stuff. But, yeah. Yeah, you got to remember Rome was into the Silk Road trades and all that, so they would have to have parts of Lesser Asia under their control. Oh, I, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. I just didn't know to what extent maybe they had yeah. acquired it while Babylon uh, was still a proactive territory and maybe vanquished them. No, I, I think the Babylonian Empire kind of ended when the Medes and the Persians took over. I think I don't think there was any resurgence of you know the great babylon that nebuchadnezzar made and that was that was also part of how the metals in the statue kept getting you know lower and lower quality they went from gold to to iron it was that i think that that original culture got yeah that original culture got buried that original empire got buried under the force and weight of other empires so well, that that I knew that I knew that Babylon yeah. I, would dissolve uh, with that. But I meant like territory wise, those people, those places, <laughs> of the the yeah. region of Babylon. If you were to apply it on a regional mm-hmm. perspective rather than on a, yeah. a, a, a monarchy, however the heck they worked it out. Anyway, yeah. So why don't we go ahead and start at uh, verse nine, and then we're gonna go all the way up to verse twelve. Or read through verse 12. <clears throat> As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. 
His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain, its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. So right up there, we, we hear about uh, the Ancient of Days taking a seat. This is, uh, this is a very uh, old way of talking about God, which is actually one of my favorite names to, to refer to God by. Uh, so... And then we hear this description, which is a pretty standard description of God. His head was white as wool, talking about his purity, the throne flaming fire, talking about its righteousness, and its wheels were ablaze. So this was a this was a chariot. This wasn't just a uh, you know a throne room throne. This is a throne that can go around and move places. Oh, and of before you move fire. on from that, uh, a river yeah. of fire. Was yeah. was was coming up before him? Is that talking about the river that? Oh, what's the name of that tree? Uh, the, the the main yeah. tree that's in the center of um, heaven. The tree of life. Thank you. Wasn't there a river that intersected? Yeah, but that was that was a a a water river that was coming out of that. I think the throne, the river of fire coming out of the throne, is a symbol of God's judgment. You know, because we hear about. Well, this you hear about the lake of fire in hell, right? Well, I think this is this is talking about God is the source of that that lake of fire. It's the right. river of fire coming from the throne. Do you see? So when when you see him depicted with the river of fire, he's coming to judge. He's not coming to uh, save people at this point. I guess so, it would explain where they is, they poured the incense bowls out on. <laughs> where where yeah. are we going to put this? Uh, I'm trying to. You know, we got we got to burn up. You know, a third of the world's forestry. Oh, yeah. okay. So let's yeah, where we pour it out on. I don't know. I thought about that. Yeah, and then, literally. <laughs> and then you see, it's talking about thousands upon thousands attended him. This is the host that's in heaven, which I guess you know probably includes even you and me at that point. Because uh, again, this this is very end times. Uh, this is very apocalyptic end times looking stuff so uh what where this is coming from right now i believe is is at the end of days so we hear the court was seated we talked often on this podcast about the elder council the court the 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 group of all that scroll yeah the yeah the the group of of angels or saints that make up the council to god in heaven and then we see that even as God arrives on the scene and is visible, which would be the second coming of Christ sort of stuff, uh, he kept looking at the beast and, and the little horn kept kept uh, saying its boastful words. And then God just, you know, smotes the guy and throws it into the blazing fire, which we've heard before that Satan and his, his generals get thrown into the lake of fire. You know, and that's where I see this this river is that source of the lake of fire where we see later in, in the New Testament when they're talking about the lake of fire. Right, after birds so. feast on their flesh and all that good stuff. Yes, right, right. Yes, all yes. the gruesome uh, things that evil people deserve. <laughs> no, quite, quite indubitably, yes. <laughs> all those yeah. evil guys, yes. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so the the other beasts, the other three beasts, which you know, all of a sudden, at this point, you can't say they're they're exactly those empires, but they're they're symbolic empires that would be later on. They're left to live because apparently they weren't nearly as terrible as that beast. And of course, we see this place where in Revelation, where it's talking about how the the Antichrist or the beast is thrown down first, and and then the people who followed him go on for a little while before the final judgments wipe everyone out. So mm. all right. Got anything else to add? 
Well, I don't know. I just really enjoy listening to you and just as much as I enjoy yeah. talking here. I, I honestly like sometimes, sometimes this is going to be so random people, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I'll be like listening to Justin talk and um, I'll be like, yeah, that's actually very interesting. I'm learning a lot of speculation right now. This is like, you know, <laughs> earth moving. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm here too. So yeah, yeah. Oh, I really very informative. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta participate. My bad. Each, <laughs> don't take away my participation points. I'm listening. I promise. <laughs> All right. So next section, we're gonna cover it up until uh, verse 18. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days, and was led into his presence. He was given authority glory and sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshiped him his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed i daniel was troubled in spirit and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me i approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all of this so he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Yeah, so right there at the beginning of that, we see the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, coming back into heaven, and he approached the throne and was led to lead at the right hand, as we've heard so many times in the gospel. And uh, his dominion will not pass away. This is a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It's It'll last forever, uh, as we know from studying the end time or revelation where it talks about new Jerusalem and the recreation that it is eternal. It doesn't, it doesn't decay. It doesn't be destroyed. So that is the, the heaven we can look forward to. Uh, and then of course, Daniel's still in this dream. So he's, he's walks up to one of the spirits that are there. It could, it could be just another saint. It could be a angel. It doesn't really matter who it is. Uh, but he talks to someone there and he's like, what, what is all this that I see? And the guy's like, well, this is four beasts or four Kings that rise from the earth. And then the holy people, which would be the believers like us or see the kingdom and possess it forever. That's, you know, as, as long as we put our trust in Christ, we get that kingdom. Uh, so we see that even Daniel wasn't quite sure what he was seeing. He had to have someone interpret to him. Now it was a spirit. That was from the dream, so you make what you will of that. But right. if this dream so. is is truly seeing into the spiritual realm, then that being is obviously he has the answers because all the answers are available when we are in that that uh, in heaven. Basically, he he was seeing right. into heaven at this point. So, how many kings do we have in total in Revelation? I, wasn't it? It was it ten, thirteen? Um, no, are you talking about the council or are you talking about like the evil kings? The elder council had 24. Four. Yes. Uh, the, the evil the kings, kings fr- I think it was 13 because. So we would of, have had 13 collective nations all conform into one. Yeah, yeah. And of course, three were thrown down when the Antichrist rose. So I, I don't mm. think stuff like that has happened yet. So, and so we would have had. Uh, okay, so we would have still had 10. I, I'm curious to find out when this is the four, where it, he exactly fits in, and I'm sure we read over it, where exactly yeah. he fits in with the four nations and four kings formula. Because, yeah, yeah I mean, I th- yeah. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the dream Nebuchadnezzar had about the statue, where, you know, it's it's talking about physical kingdoms up until the very end, and then it's talking about God's kingdom, like so it switches abruptly, you know. And and we see that it is talking about legit physical empires up until a point, and then it's talking about the spiritual empire, which technically is there all the time, anyways. Uh, it's just harder for us to understand and see. And uh, it's talking about 
it literally jumps like you know however many years that's going to end up being in the end like it jumps it just jumps from history that's happening in their day to the the future prophecy and that's why it's called apocalyptic literature because it's it's ultimately talking about the end of the world right yeah you're not wrong so <laughs> i mean it that explained it to me i had to remember the fact that most of this was centralized around I mean, it's cool because he's peeking into the end times at the same time of what it means for where he is in the timeline. Uh-huh. So yeah. I had to remind myself, I was like, wait a minute. No, is he just like, is he just taking a roller coaster ride through all of it? No, the Lord <laughs> is also trying to tell where he is. And I think he, the uh-huh. Lord also just had to tell me where I am through you. So. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> you, you found out where you are. So continue yeah. at verse 19. <laughs> yes, sir. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying, with its iron teeth and bronze claws. The beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell. The horn that looked more, more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth and that spoke boastfully. We are talking about the first horn, right? (laughs) As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. So we see here that that fourth beast is really different. And of course, Daniel puts it, points it out and uh, it's talking about, and I think this is where we can safely say that it's not just talking about an empire in, in the, in, in the physical realm. It's talking about a, a end times global empire that comes and just devours and takes over. And of course, as the little horn rises, it, it, goes after uh, believers especially and uh, we see that the forces evil will appear to get their upper hand which is exactly why I'm like I don't know if this is the end times right now like things can get a lot worse and that's why I'm always on this this horse of yeah I don't I don't think the end times are yet um, I not necessarily basing that on scripture uh, you can see a lot of the things in scripture getting fulfilled or at least partially fulfilled as we've talked about before where, you know, some prophecies are cyclical. So they're going to happen in partial fulfillments over and over and over until their final fulfillment comes to hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this could be one of those where it fits with what Antiochus did. Like he persecuted the Jews. He, he made their lives literally hell when he took over uh, the per- medio Persian empire, like, or took over parts of Jerusalem. Uh, and we can see partial fulfillments. I mean, heck you can throw the dictators of the world who did terrible things to their people or the people today who are, who are persecuting Christians. Like you can throw anyone into this and they, any evil person, I should say into this and they will, they will fall into being a partial, a partial fulfillment of this prophecy. So. Yeah. I like, I like your approach. Cause you're like a guy, I guess like the best way I've come up with it so far just occurred to me too. It's like, basically your, uh, your interpretation and the way that you live would be that we're in like a prequel to revelation and a prequel to what would be, another couple sequels i'd be part of the prequel that would eventually lead to the prologue <laughs> that would be revelation yeah, right <laughs> so we're not quite there yet but hey you know hang in there because these are the books before it all goes down yeah we're right for right. us right right yeah no we we're not to be afraid of the end times so shall Is we it gonna be my most favorite show one? in heaven probably <laughs> <laughs> Shall we take the next little chunk since this is a pretty heavy, heavy section? 
Yes, this is a heavy section. This this entire this entire subject is heavy. I didn't mean like I'm just yeah. gonna be watching from heaven, being like, oh, everlasting suffering. That's great. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna exactly. Well, I mean, it's justice at least. So there's that. I'm just testing. It, it may you, not. Bro. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also failing at my own. All right, let's get a move on with this. We're starting at verse 23. Yeah. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the entire earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. Okay, before you you start like breaking that <laughs> down, he's straight up talking about uh, the writer of Conquest, which is the Antichrist. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And and yeah. then we get into this where he, he tries to change the times and, and the laws, which uh, we we got into this a little bit in Revelation when we were talking about like when when is the end times? When do we, when is it prophesied to happen, right? And we got into this where the Antichrist or the devil has poisoned the the text just enough that we now today can't figure out exactly when it happens or if we're able to figure it out we are like way wrong on what time it is so uh (laughs) there's that i I remember talking about this back in revelation i don't know if anyone else does but and of course we see yes yeah yeah the angel is, is giving the explanation we've been over with is the the antichrist comes up throws down four kings and just starts taking over the entire earth and just oppressing Christians and, and subduing the populace that aren't Christians. Like it's not going to be a good, a good time for anyone. So yes. this, this scene is obviously the ultimate fulfillment yet to come. Uh, at least I believe it's So we haven't seen an antichrist. Now you can argue that we can't figure out what, when, the, when it's going to happen because we have so many, so many guesses on to when the end times and then often people, you know, set a date and then that date comes and goes and everyone else is like, okay guys, you know, so we, we have this, this kind of discrepancy here. So you could say that the, the guy is or who the antichrist or the devil has already changed enough that we can't figure this out, you know? So I would Which we went over that. in an extensive episode, just for the record, folks. Like yes, we got yes. into this with the Olivet Dif- discourses, I believe, or just before yeah. the Olivet discourse, and that was all the different approaches on interpretation of Revelation. Has it happened already? Will it happen yeah. without rapture, etc.? And uh, if you yeah. guys aren't familiar with what I said, was the writer of the Antichrist. Basically, just quick review: back in Revelation, you got four writers who are going to represent um, basically the manslayers. And there's yeah. a writer of conquest, i.e., the Antichrist, which yeah. is to occur last. There's the writer of bloodshed and war. Uh, uh-huh. He's the same guy. There's not one for bloodshed and war. There's yeah. one for yeah. plague and pestilence, and. Uh-huh. I always forget one at a time. Help me out with the last one. Uh, it's just straight up. I think it. I think it was war, conquest. Conquest comes second. War, conquest, pestilence, death. It's just straight so up death. That's what I thought. Second. Yeah. Plague yeah. and pestilence, as in like disease and stuff like that. And yes, and then yeah. there's just death. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to lope them all into one category. I was gonna. I was <laughs> about to say that the third writer was all three, and I'm like, no, he's got two uh, names. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. War, conquest, and sometimes one for war is also known as one for bloodshed. That's why I yeah. mentioned that. Thank you for clarifying that. I needed a refresher course. I'm trying to teach you. Trying <laughs> to teach something I, I can hardly preach, and uh, amen to that, Lord. I, I recognize that as a sign. Uh, that being said, I can't wait to read more. So, <laughs> huh. you know, 
finish us up on the last section here. Yeah, hang on, folks. We don't, we got, uh, we're about approaching our end destination here. Uh, last little bit of section, uh, starting at 26. If you have been following all along, that's awesome. If you ever read along with this, that'd be a great exercise. It's a great exercise for me every you know week to read this on my own and then be able to present it as well. Um, anyway, why don't we get to move on with this so y'all can get on with your lives and apply our awesome knowledge we're providing you. <clears throat> but the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. So that's the end of the chapter. And we see that, you know, Daniel wrote this down and it troubled him, but uh, he didn't, he didn't share this. This is something that he kept with his other uh, dreams and prophecies that we're going to go over as we continue on through the book of Daniel. And then at some point, this was added to the first part of Daniel. These were probably two separate scrolls or books before they were combined into one book. So oh, yeah, we right. see that the, yeah, we see the forces of evil and their leaders deposed in the final judgment. So we see that, you know, he's seen all this terrible stuff, but he, he also seen that in the end we win. And of course, I, mean, I don't know how many times I've said this on this podcast, but in the end we win. Like that's, that's the impetus of being a Christian is that no matter what's going on, we win, you know? And it, when we, yeah, don't ever, quote me on that. Do. don't ever quote me on that. That was an awful. Okay, you continue. You have a great message yeah. right now. Continue, please. <laughs> <laughs> if we die to our sins in Jesus' name, no matter what comes, we can live with confidence that even if we die, we will win in the very end. So it's it's just this confidence that we gain as Christians is that no matter what comes, no matter how hard it is, and I mean, I've been through some stuff. We've all been through stuff like. It, it's it's life. Things happen. Things terrible things happen to people we love. Terrible things happen to us. Like as long as we keep our faith in Christ, He will get us through it. And even after we die, we still win. Like there's there's no <laughs> there's no better reward for following Christ. You know, is that we get to be with Him forever. So. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. You got you got anything to add to that, or shall we wrap this up and let our our, our dutiful listeners go since we've kept them here so long? Well, a uh, homework lesson for any of you guys that uh, want to take it from uh, Mr. Teacher Chris over here that um, has his problems sometimes, just like anyone else, um, <laughs> is that with that confidence, I was actually going to bring that up in our um, in the last of our takeaway, and. Uh-huh. Uh, that is super important. Something you look up is like, you know, the difference between what is boastful pride, which we have covered in this and, um, being confident in the Lord. And, uh, you know, some some homework that you can look into is actually the holy suit of armor. And Mm -hmm. it's a great thing to read through, learn exactly what is intended for you, how the Bible is a weapon, you know, breastplate of righteousness, Helmet of truth, or the is it the belt of truth, the helmet of truth? I think it's the belt of truth. It's a belt of truth. Yes. I mean, if I remember the rest of them, you're all going to quote <laughs> me on it, and you're going to be like, "It's the greaves of I, I know. It's <laughs> it's the chain mail of okay. Uh, anyway. Yeah, there is no pants in the holy armor, just because that's not the way things worked back in the old days. the The chest piece would often cover all the way down to your thighs. So, Oh dear Lord. Yeah. That's why you have a belt so that it's, it looks kind of like a skirt, <laughs> like a dress. It's an armor <laughs> dress. That's what it is. It's that's, a really that's awkward the way Asian name. Armor was. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Anyways, you're, now that we've running that mental image. In <laughs> yes. Mental image. Repeat that. He's, he was saying like, now that we've left you with that mental image, <laughs> put, put your spiritual dress on. <laughs> 
Uh, I'll put mine to be a nightgown. Okay, why don't we wrap this up? Oh, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture and received no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time. And thank you for sticking through with all this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a a big thank you to our audience, yeah, for being here. If you're just here for the first time, we're so sorry. That was an hour. Over an hour. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good day, good night, good tomorrow, whatever it is for you. Signing off. All right.